Hello and welcome to Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Askley, Orla Director of Government Affairs. And joining me today from the Orla team is Lori Little, Director of Communications. Hi, Lori. Hey, Greg. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'd be doing better if I had a little more time to do some decorating around the house, get my tree. Uh, but there's just a lot going on still. I think everything is just going by so fast. I mean, we just had Thanksgiving and now Christmas and we're supposed to be in the holiday mode, but uh, there's there's a lot going on right now and a lot coming up <laughs> starting in January. There is. Yeah. Just trying to get through the end of this year and then preparing for the short session, of course, in February, the legislative session that'll last 35 days and hopefully no more than that. But uh, as always, uh, we're here to tell you kind of um, what's going on around the state, around the country and locally so that you can prepare and uh, hopefully be ready for 2020. Hard to believe that that's just around the corner. It is. We got us. Learn how to write 2020 now. <laughs> well, not many people write checks anymore, so I don't think that's a problem. You remember when you used to write a lot of checks and it was always the first couple of weeks where you'd have to that's true. remind yourself. So not a lot of people doing that these days. Well, today we're going to be talking about preparing for the worst, and we're not talking about your office Christmas or holiday party. We're talking about how businesses can develop a proactive approach to emergency preparedness, and we're going to be joined by Althea Rizzo from the Office of Emergency Management. But first, we want to make sure you're getting the most out of your membership, and to help you do that, we like to highlight a benefit that you may or may not be aware of. And so did you know that SAFE has announced a new, larger, 14% premium discount. SAFE, Oregon's not-for-profit workers' compensation insurance company, announced approval of a 14% discount on workers' comp premiums for Orla members who meet the group eligibility requirements. This is the largest discount available for Oregon's hotels and restaurants in the program, and there's no minimum annual premium. SAFE is an endorsed service provider and a valued partner of Orla, and you can ask your agent for an Orla group quote or contact SAFE directly at 888-598-5880. You can also learn more at OregonRLA.org. And if you're not a member, visit OregonRLA.org where you can join and start taking advantage of several cost-saving benefits. And now... Very excited to introduce our guest, Althea Rizzo, Geologic Hazards Coordinator for the Office of Emergency Management. Welcome to Boiled Down. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. So we're going to talk about uh, preparing for the worst, and I, I kind of made this joke a little earlier, but we're not talking about your office holiday party, right? We're, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about how businesses can develop a, a proactive approach to emergency preparedness in case of a natural disaster, how they can minimize the risk with awareness, education, and planning. So... Um, I guess we'll just start because we, we keep hearing about it and we know. So the big question on everybody's mind is what's the real threat of an earthquake hitting the Northwest? And then what areas would you think would be most affected? So that's a really good question. And thank you for asking that. Um, you know, a lot of your uh, listeners are going to be aware of the Cascadia subduction zone. Um, and so for some people, it's going to be brand new news. And the thing to remember about the Cascadia subduction zone is that it will if we have the full RIP-9, it will affect the entire Pacific Northwest. Um, and we've had 41 of these earthquakes in the last 10,000 years. So we're pretty sure that it's not just a matter of if, but but when, and probably sooner than we would really rather have it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're with the Office of Emergency Management. Um, what is What really does that office do? So mainly our role is a coordination and preparedness office. Um, all disasters start locally. And so our role is to make sure that our uh, counties and our state agencies are able to coordinate getting stuff to people who need stuff. And so we have the Emergency Coordination Center at OEM, and that is where we bring everybody together during disaster, and we coordinate um, response and recovery. Another one of our roles is planning for these very large emergencies and exercising. In 2021, we're going to be having a very, very large earthquake exercise for Cascadia so that all of our state agencies and local partners can practice. Um, And we do do preparedness and outreach just like the show. So Mm -hmm. we do a little bit of everything. Yeah, really. Um, Just speaking of training. So uh, I coordinated the, uh, our office was in a staff meeting on October 17th and we participated in the great Oregon shakeout. And I think everybody had a good time ducking under their desk or I should say drop cover and hold on was the theme, right? That's correct. That's what you do when you feel an earthquake. You drop to the ground because you don't want to be thrown to the ground and injure yourself. And then you want to get under something because the most common injury is from stuff falling on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about earthquakes and and maybe get into tsunamis, but uh, Oregon's also prone to some other natural hazards as well. I mean, obviously, we've been through uh, some uh, pretty nasty wildfires, but what are some other things? So one of the other common um, hazards that we deal with almost every year is flooding. Um, You may remember 2007, the Vernonia floods um, and the winter storm then. We also have winter storms. Um, A couple of years ago, we had some severe winter storms where eastern Oregon was severely impacted in the agricultural sector. So we got winter storms, flooding, wildland fire, drought. Um, We are now having tornadoes more frequently. So we do have a range of of hazards. Uh, Cascadia is kind of the gold standard. So if you're prepared for Cascadia, you're pretty much prepared for anything. Yeah, yeah. Tornado tornadoes were interesting one because uh, it's not something that you would typically think in, in would happen in the Northwest, but it it does. So. Yeah, and we're going to see them more frequently as we see more climate chaos. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Tornadoes are something you think about in the Midwest, right? It's not not something we see here. We we have our own brand. It's earthquakes, right? The Southeast is supposed to have hurricanes. The Midwest has tornadoes, and we have earthquakes. That's kind of how it's supposed to be, but apparently that's not mm-hmm. the case. Well, for anybody that needs it, what types of resources are offered through the agency, whether it's before a disaster strikes or when the disaster occurs or even after, you know, once we've had this, this giant earthquake or once we've been through a flood or something, what are, what are some of the resources that people can get? So we do a lot of education and outreach, much like this. Um, this morning I was talking to an agricultural group. Um, so there's a lot of education if a group wants a, someone to come in and talk to them specifically. Uh, we do have a private public-private partnership person that can come and and discuss how your business um, can get prepared. We also um, offer, uh, most of our relationships are with local counties and larger communities. Uh, So we help them prepare so that they can help their local businesses. So we're, we're sort of a funding stream down to the local counties, and then they share that out. Uh, more locally. But most of our role is in, in getting you the information you need to get prepared. 
whether that's through your local county emergency manager or directly from us. So that, that brings up another question, the coordination, because obviously if we're talking about whether it's an earthquake or a tsunami, there's there's transportation issues, right? But there's also um, local issues that you're going to have to deal with, whether it's the quality of the water and whether it's still you know drinkable. Mm-hmm. And so you, you do coordinate with a lot of other, I would imagine, state and local agencies. And federal agencies, okay. yes. So our role is to, if somebody needs a thing during a disaster, um, we find out the thing they need and then find the person who has that thing that they need and then get the person to send the thing that they need to the person who needs the thing. <laughs> so it's a lot of coordination um, on, on, our, on our side. But, okay. a, but a critical role, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, last year during the Oak Ridge um, winter storm where people were cut off, you know, it was a matter of helping uh, Lane County uh, respond to something like that, uh, it overwhelmed their resources. So we were able to bring in state and federal resources to help them during that, that emergency situation. Well, for our, uh, folks on the coast, I mean, they already have a tough time during the winter. Uh, but you know, if a tsunami were to strike, um, what kind of training or guidance is available to better prepare them for when that might happen? So OEM a few years ago developed a program called hospitality begins with safety, Um, And we provide an online education module that hospitality industry can use to train their employees with just real basic information on what a tsunami is and how to respond to that. If you go to tsunamisafe.info, you can get more information. Um, Or if you go to oregonsunami.org, you can also get to it from there. Or you can just email me directly. I'm sure you're going to be sharing my email out, and that's perfectly fine. And, and so this module is in English and in Spanish. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. It's free to use. And at the end, when they complete the module, they can email a PDF to the, either their employer or to themselves so that when they apply for a job, they can show that we've, I've taken this you know, education module about tsunamis. We base that on the um, Care First, the, the food service um, program that was online and then we also have um printables that uh hotels can put into their guest directory for instance on on tsunami safety we have table tents we have key card covers that can be printed off um we also have a hospitality uh safety guidebook on how to plan for tsunamis or any other kind of disaster and then we have the opportunity to come out and do trainings for uh, folks in the hospitality industry on the coast yeah, I know you've had uh, the trainings and the the resources, like the cards for the uh, the hotels, and uh, for a couple of years now. And what what's the the response been among the hotel community? Are they fairly uh, inviting for those resources? I know that some of the hotels are starting to use the module. Um, it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, I th- I think that. Y- if a hotel has a local champion, someone in, working at the hotel and management that makes this a priority, then we see them uh, doing things. For instance, we're just in the process of sending a whole stack of the table tents out to a, a hotel in Florence. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like to see more hotels use this. We, we, you know, we developed it and have put it out there, and it's just slowly being used more and more. Um, but, you know... People listening to this podcast, probably the first time that they've heard about it. Mm -hmm. And so we just want people to be able to use the resources that are available to them. Yeah. And we can certainly help get the word out. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of great information, I think, for staff to be able to, you know, go online and access. But what about 
drills? What about scenarios? I mean, is there some value in that? And can you help some of the businesses to, to get some of those drills done in their business? Absolutely. So, you know, we really encourage everyone to take advantage of the Great Oregon Shakeout. It's, it's one time during the year where everyone in Oregon is thinking about earthquakes. Uh, this last time we had uh, about three quarters of a million people participating in the drill. So it's it's really starting to reach a large number of Oregonians. But, you know, you can do the drop, curve, and hold if you work or live in the tsunami zone, and then you can practice your route out. Um, part of the training that we do provide for the hospitality uh groups on the coast is, you know, how to do a drill, how to do some of this training. And it could be just having your employees at some point walk the route to high ground um, from your facility. It, it could be as simple as that, or it can be a much more structured training. It just depends on what what you need. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that preparedness is, is extremely important and, you know, try to uh, make sure that our staff is is aware of of resources as well, and do trainings like the Great Oregon Great Oregon Shakeout. Um, so, is there any legal liability that businesses and or employees uh, might have with respect to appropriate and that immediate communications to their their guests or their customers? So, there's no current legal responsibility to share this information with your guests. Um, however, we are a very litigious society. And and so it, it's in your business's best interest to provide um, a level of service and a level of safety to your consumer. I mean, as a hospitality company, you are basically inviting people into your home. And, and so you want to make sure that your guests are safe. Um, and it, it can be used as a marketing tool, too. Because you can say that, um, all, you know, all of our employees are trained so that if something bad does happen, you are safe here. There are several hotels and, and resorts over on the coast that are, do a really good job, and they do include that into their marketing materials. We have um, a video that we provided a few years ago that gives some basic safety that some hotels have been uh, including a link to in their email registration confirmations. So there's a lot of little things that we can we can help you with that aren't going to cost you any money, but can help to provide a little bit of an edge when it comes to safety. And, um, you know, the whole idea is to get people over to the coast and into the beautiful beaches, relaxed and willing to um, contribute to the local economy. They won't do that as much if they're, they're nervous about yeah. things. So you want the Invite them in, ensure them of their safety, um, and then let them enjoy the beautiful Oregon coast. Yeah, I think that's important. But I also think that you can have sort of a, a nice balance there of making your guests feel safe and comfortable uh, without any sort of, you know, threatening of this potential risk. Absolutely. But, but, but it's, it's all about awareness mm -hmm. that it certainly could happen. So you mentioned the the training and and this could be you know used for for marketing purposes for staff. I know we have the guest service gold, which is a certification program where people go through the program and they learn about um, you know customer service. Is there any kind of certification if they go through the training or the programs that you have? So actually, yes, um, the National Weather Service has a program called Tsunami Ready, 
And um, a few years ago, Oregon developed what's called Tsunami Ready Supporters. Now, a Tsunami Ready community has done a number of things in order to get this designation. It helps the community um, especially get uh, better deals on their flood insurance rates. Uh, But when you're a community ready supporter, you do get a designation um, that you can put up in your window. You can put it into your uh, marketing materials. And and this basically says you've done some basic level of training and, and you have done some certain things. Uh, Puerto Rico um, has done a phenomenal job of using the Tsunami Ready Supporter system in all of their hotels along the um, the beaches because they have a severe tsunami hazard. And so they've just really run with this and, and a good portion of their hotels before the hurricanes um, were, were Tsunami Ready supporters. And so this is, we're in the process of... Uh, getting an elementary school tsunami ready supporter because they've been doing some really great work. So this is a great way of, of getting recognition for valuable work to being safe. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That is great. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more boiled down. Food production and preparation require tremendous resources, including farmland, clean water and air, labor and energy. Yet millions of tons of food are wasted each year. As food professionals, we have the power to eliminate significant amounts of food waste. Metro has resources that can help us get started, including free videos, toolkits, and more, including a webinar from Lean Path Executive Chef on the top five reasons for food loss and what you can do about it. Join restaurants and businesses across the region in preventing food waste. Visit foodwastestopswithme.com. Org to learn how to get started today. All right, welcome back to Boiled Down. We're discussing preparing for the worst with Althea Rizzo from the Office of Emergency Management. And Althea, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we were going to talk about how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, you can call uh, the Oregon Office of Emergency Management and have them put them through to me, or you can email me. Um, my email address is a little bit complicated, so get your pencils out. It's Althea. A-L-T-H-E-A dot Rizzo, R-I-Z-Z-O, at state dot O-R dot U-S. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So, Althea, let's get into maybe a potential scenario. Um, If, uh, maybe not if, but when a city like Portland has an earthquake, uh, what types of hazards should hotels and restaurants be aware of that, you know, could endanger guests and customers. So the first thing you want to look at is your, your built environment, your structure, your building, you know, has your building been built to withstand the earthquake? Uh, We did not have seismic building codes before the mid 1990s. So if your building was built before then, it probably will need to have some sort of structural mitigation in order to uh, keep it from falling down during the earthquake. Um, another thing that you can look at uh, is the non-structural pieces, the the wall hangings, the, the hutches, and those kinds of things that could fall on guests or things in the hallway that could fall and impede people getting out. Um, if your facility is near downtown or near an area with unreinforced masonry buildings, those beautiful brick buildings that we love downtown, those buildings can can fall out into the roadway, which is why we don't recommend people try to evacuate during the earthquake. We want them to drop cover and hold and stay safe. Um, 
And then after the earthquake has start shaking, um, then you have the the risk of of fly, fires and and just the massive number of people in the street trying to find somewhere to be safe. Um, long term, after this, we're looking at utility and power interruptions, depending on where you are and depending when it happens. Um, you know, we could be without power and water for a year or two um, after this event. You know, we it's going to be very, very large. Our infrastructure is fragile. Um, it has not been maintained. And it was built before we had size, well, it was built before we knew about plate tectonics, let alone the Cascadia subduction zone. So our built environment is really vulnerable. Um, and so starting with your building, making sure that your building at least will not fall down. That's, that's kind of the minimum. Um, and then training your employees what to do, where to direct people, get in touch with your local emergency manager, find out what their plan is and how you fit in their plan. And if you don't fit in their plan yet, make sure you in the future um, fit in their plan. Uh, so just starting to have that dialogue with a local emergency manager so you know what the process is and where to send your people after an event like this. So how would somebody find out who their local emergency manager is? <laughs> Google Portland emergency manager in Portland it's Portland Bureau of Emergency Management okay. but each county has an emergency manager larger communities have emergency managers Salem has one Eugene has one um, Medford has one and are they typically a, a separate office or are they housed within like fire or police or um, it depends on where you are if they're county a lot of times they're in with the sheriff's department um, if they're with the city it's usually a city bureau or agency so um, knowing who your local emergency manager is, um, is really important, finding out what their plans are. Another thing that you can do if you want to, if you kind of want to go beyond that, that online module is you can bring uh, community emergency response training into your um, facility and have, have your employees trained to be CERT members. And so that really plugs them into the local emergency managers and response so that your your guests are are very well protected. Is there a master list of the local emergency managers? Something that you guys maybe <laughs> have, or I think buried somewhere on our website there okay. is a list, but it's probably just faster to Google <laughs> Salem. His name's Greg Walsh, um, <laughs> uh, and and or Portland Bureau of Emergency Management, and find the contacts there. Uh, our office has a public private partnership person. Her name is Sonia. Um, and she can help you out uh, in getting more information specific to businesses. I think, I think the underlying theme here is that we need to be proactive. You know, it's not, uh, not like we all get handed this manual, you know, when we start a job or start a business um, necessarily. So um, we need to do a little bit of uh, preparation work. Absolutely. Because the thing to remember is that everyone you're going to be relying on to be a responder myself, firemen, policemen, our office, we are all going to also be victims of this. And it's probably going to be three or four days before a lot of us even get into the office. And it's going to be the same thing for everyone along that gamut of first responders. So really, for those first few days, you are your own first responder. And you are your guest's own first responder. Um, and so it really behooves us as just human beings 
to take that step to prepare ourselves, prepare our businesses, um, to take the best care of our guests as we can. So that's a great lead into my next question, which is, okay, what are those top three or four things that businesses should do to prepare for any kind of a natural disaster, really? So the first thing is um, prepare your employees, train your employees. Your employees are going to be your best um, resource after this event. Um, The second thing is look at your facility. Make sure your facility doesn't cause you problems during the event or after the event. Um, You know, is it going to be usable after the event? Um, And then connect to your local uh, community response efforts. Connect to the CERT teams. Connect to the Red Cross. Find out who is your local fire department and take them cookies. Um, So you want to know where you fit into the local planning effort um, and support that local planning effort so that uh, they're taking your needs into account. Fantastic. So what more specifically, what can businesses um, do to communicate with their guests and their customers? You mentioned, you know, over at the coast, uh, there's the, the, collateral pieces that they can leave in the hotel rooms. Um, that's one thing, but, you know, even just looking around, uh, the Willamette Valley area in Portland, um, talking about earthquake preparedness. I mean, what are some tools available? So, yeah, we have several publications that we're happy to send out. We have, you know, just kind of a living on shaky ground, which is just a basic Cascadia kind of stuff. You know, you can leave it in your lobby, um, we have comic books. We partnered with Dark Horse Comics a few years ago. So we have an earthquake. We have a tsunami um, comic book. Um, and so there's there's way that you can blend this message into your messaging. Um, and I'm, and I'm, we're happy to talk specifically with, with groups if they have specific questions. But there's mm-hmm. there's ways that we can fold current publications and things into your needs. Yep. And so how important is community engagement when we're talking about either helping to build awareness of those potential threats that you've just talked about or um, what steps other organizations besides Orla and its members could do like schools or, you know, if there are vulnerable community populations uh, that they can take to become prepared? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you. So the most important thing is that you and your family, whether who, no matter who it is, you're, you and your family are prepared because you're not going to be able to think about helping your guests if you're worried about your family back home. And if you live in Portland, work in Portland, the, the chances are you're going to be across a bridge from your home when this thing happens. You could be across the bridge from your kids. And, and honestly, it could be weeks before you, you, you're able to connect again because of the lack of bridges going to be across the Willamette, the Columbia. So making sure that your family has been prepared, making sure that they have two weeks worth of food and water at home. Um, I, I know that not all families are going to be able to do that, but do what you can. And then connect with groups like the Red Cross um, with CERT so that your neighborhoods are prepared, the, the neighborhood around your your business is prepared. Um, one of the, your, your, your best resources is going to be your kids' schools. Um, there's, a, there's a possibility it could happen while they're in school. So talk to your school, kids' school, about what their plans are. Portland has done a pretty good job of being progressive about this. Um, but double check with your school. Ask what their plans are. Ask how you can help your school 
get prepared for this? Because some of the most successful uh, preparedness programs in schools are, are parent-led. Um, it's, it's them getting together, pulling the resources together, and, and getting it done. But when you're looking at sort of the neighborhood where your business is, you know, where is the assembly points? Where are the points of distribution? So that's where getting up and close and personal with your local emergency manager and knowing what their plans are is going to be really important because you won't know to where to send anybody if, if you haven't had that discussion beforehand. Another thing that we recommend is that employees are all first aid trained because 95% of the people um, who are rescued after an event like this are rescued by coworkers, by family members, by neighbors, by strangers. We are going to be someone's hero. Somebody is going to be your hero after this event. And so knowing first aid, you know, having some basic skills like that um, and then practicing them in the, your place of employment is going to be really key. You had mentioned exercises. You know, training and practicing are the two most important things when it comes to implementing a successful program. If people don't practice, they forget. I mean, sure. we be, leave yeah. busy lives. So Yeah, and you want it sort of top of mind, to, well, at least in back of your mind that, that comes easily hey, I need to be doing this, or, you know, here's my initial response. Um, you mentioned CERT earlier, I think, uh, Community Emergency Response Team mm -hmm. training. I know that they have trainings in different communities. I took uh, training back when I was living in, in Beaverton, and uh, it, that was an excellent course. It, it uh, taught me probably way more than I needed to, to know, um, but... Uh, Certainly, it's it's you know it's it's nice to know that there are uh, resources resources like that available that really helps you understand the bigger picture here and what you can be doing as a community member, as a parent. You know, um, just again being aware of the schools around you, the churches, the health facilities, um, places like that that are are vulnerable, but also can provide uh, a place of, of safety um, if people need a, a meeting place. Yeah, and you mentioned vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. You know, people who don't speak English as a first language, um, single moms, renters, low income. Um, you know, those are, those are vulnerable populations that may not be able to um, take the steps they need to get prepared. And that's why we ask, if you can get prepared, get your family prepared because resources are going to be scarce after this event. And we want to make sure that, you know, they're being used for the people who really can't help themselves at that time. Sure. So you mentioned the, the, the being prepared in the two weeks of food and water. Um, can we talk for just a second about go bags? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what that is and, and where people might stash them. Cause I know I get teased by my kids a little bit about some of the stuff I have in the back of my car. <laughs> so one of the things that we recommend is that you not put all of your eggs in one basket um, because you never know where you're going to be. You may have the most prepared household, you know, <laughs> in Oregon. But if you're across the river from it for three weeks, that's not going to do anybody any good. Right. So distribute your goods. And the first thing you start with is a go bag. I mean, as we watch the fires in California, people have 15 minutes to get their kids together, get their pets together, grab a thing or two, and get out the door. Um, and so everyone should have a go bag. And that's that's simple. It's it's a backpack. You can get it at the thrift store. You don't have to get fancy with it. Um, 
it has three days of food and water in it. And the food can be, um, you know, freeze-dried food. You can have water in there. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can take care of that food. I keep water in there and also keep a couple of ways of making clean water. Um, I keep first aid supplies. I keep a deck of cards, some hygiene. Uh, this being Oregon, I have wool socks, a wool hat, wool gloves, a couple of tarps. Um, if you have pets, you've got to think about pet food. And- absolutely. Um, so w- what you want is a container and it could be a backpack or it could be a rolly um, suitcase too. Um, a lot of elders use the rolly suitcase because sure. it's just easier on them. Um, and just have that prepared and somewhere by the front door in case you can just, you just grab it and go. Mm-hmm. And then think about keeping seven to 10 days at your office and seven to 10 days in your car. Um, that way, if you have your car at work, you've got two weeks worth of supplies right there. And then yeah. thinking about your home, how would you live off grid? How would you camp in your home for two or three weeks, if not much, much longer? Right. Because it's going to be years before sewer systems, water systems, utilities are are um, back up and running at a normal rate. Great. And do you have all that on the website as well, like suggestions on how to build a go bag yeah, and, and yeah. what to keep at the office? You know, we, we really recommend people start at ready.gov. It's the FEMA website. Um, there's a lot of really good information there for businesses, for people, um, elder people, people with children, uh, for state information. Just start at ready.gov. There's also an organization called Flash. Um, And they can help you. They also have training information that is online that can help you. And I'll provide you with uh, all the links to these offline that you can put into the show notes. Great. Fantastic. Perfect. Well, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to touch on? Well, you know, what I would really like to encourage people to understand is that while Cascadia is going to be very large and very impactful, um, we will survive it. And we will eventually, you know, get back to um, normal life. It's going to take us a while. And people are making choices every day. And what they're choosing is to either stay Oregonian, be able to stay here, camp in their homes, or be a refugee. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you will be sent somewhere where you can be taken care of. Mm. And we want people to stay Oregonians and help us put the state back up and running so that we can get back to this lifestyle that we love. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We're going to take another quick break. We'll come back with Advocacy Watch, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. Are you in need of quality alcohol server training and certification? Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association pioneered online server training in Oregon. Approved by the OLCC, Orla's online alcohol server training allows you to get training when you need it. Available 24-7. Training and exam costs only $18 and is valid statewide for five years. Get started today at OregonAlcoholServer.com. All right, welcome back. It's time for Advocacy Watch, and this is where we boil down some of the local, state, and national government affairs issues that you should be aware of. First off, uh, the city of Pendleton has approved a $2 hotel room tax to fund street repairs. At a recent meeting, the Pendleton City Council unanimously approved a motion to direct staff to draft ordinances creating three new taxes and fees for street maintenance, a four-cent gas tax, a $2 hotel room fee, and a $3 increase to the street utility fee. 
Doesn't Pendleton already have a tax on top of the state tax? They do, actually. The city of Pendleton assesses all lodging establishments an 8% local lodging tax outside of an additional $1.50 tourism promotion assessment charge, which are both separate from the 1.8% state lodging tax. So, yes, they've got a few things going on. So they voted, but this isn't in play yet. No, uh, the vote doesn't mean they're automatically enacted. What it means is that the city attorney uh, and the city staff will return with a more definitive proposal later. And we expect that uh, local members will be able to weigh in on the specific language of any proposed ordinance. So if you'd like to get involved, if you need more information, if you're out there in that area, uh, please text ORLA to 52886 to be part of our grassroots advocacy network. And we can alert you as to when those meetings are going on and if there's an opportunity for you to testify. All right. Well, coming up, we have one of the most popular events in Salem, uh, at least for the legislature, and that is Taste Oregon. So that's Orla's legislative reception held at the Salem Convention Center on Wednesday, February 12th. And we want you to attend, but also if you'd be willing to provide food, we usually get uh, six or seven vendors to provide just little one bites for everybody to kind of enjoy as they're mingling and and talking. And uh, we also, of course, would love to have you sponsor the event. I want to give a special shout out too for this Taste Oregon legislative reception to our partners and our friends at AHOA, the Asian American Hotel Owners Association, who are co-hosting the event with us. And as always, we appreciate their partnership and their sponsorship of this important event. Yeah, Greg, this is one of those receptions that we have every year, and the legislators themselves really look forward to it because there's some great food. Absolutely. Well, you put free food and drink in front of an elected official, and well, wait, maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, No, the staffers actually, too, are the ones that uh, make sure that everybody shows up, and and we appreciate the opportunity uh, to be able to interact directly one-on-one with them. Our members get a chance to talk about the issues that are important to them and share their stories, which has just such a huge impact when you're talking to elected officials, you know, um, myself, Bill Perry, Jason Brandt, we're in the building and we're talking about facts and figures and we're, we're trying to share stories, but really um, just the impact of having an operator come in and personally talk to somebody about how legislation or, or um, some of these rules are affecting them and their employees uh, is just really critical. Yeah, I, I know that our members really, you know, appreciate that opportunity. It is it is sort of a uni- unique opportunity that they get uh, that face-to-face interaction and ask questions directly. Yeah, and, you know, we do have our um, our capital day every other year during the long session, which is an opportunity to come in and speak with representatives as well. But this is really uh, just a, a very unique chance uh, to meet with all of the legislators, really. I mean, uh, so many of them show up for this that um, you do get the chance to speak with uh, a lot more than just a few folks at a time. Uh, and so we'll look forward to seeing you Wednesday, February 12th at the Taste Oregon Legislative Reception at the Salem Convention Center. And just a reminder, you can sign up for that online, OregonRLA.org, and click on the calendar. That's right. So uh, make sure you get that RSVP in, and if you're interested in sponsoring or, or providing food, we'd like to know about that as well. 
All right. As always, if you have any questions or comments, any opinions, please keep the emails coming to info at OregonRLA.org. Let us know what's going on in your area, and we'll make sure we get it up here on the podcast. So I'd like to say thank you again to Althea Rizzo, Geologic Hazards Coordinator from the Office of Emergency Management, and Lori Little, my co-host, Orla Director of Communications, and to you for joining me today. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. Thanks for listening. Thank you.